Welcome to Today on Broadway for Wednesday, December 6th, 2017. I'm Broadway World's Matt Tamanini. And I am Broadway star's James Marino. James, I know last week I said that you went to Catholic school. I realize that's not true. Your kids go to Catholic school, but any good Catholic school <laughs> kid knows that today, Wednesday, December 6th, is St. Nicholas's Day. And at least when I was growing up, St. Nicholas's Day meant you put your shoes out in the hallway and St. Nick would come by and put, I think it was candy in your shoe. Do your kids do that? Is that a thing at your kid's school? <laughs> I, I do not know about it. It might happen. I do not know. But okay. um, I'm totally thrown because on Friday they're off of school. There's uh, Feast of the Immaculate Conception. Ah, yes. We... Uh, I see. Immaculate Conception was one of our rivals growing up. I went to St. Pius X. So uh, anyway, that's neither here nor there. So sorry about that. Um, anyway, <laughs> so I've got two things I want to talk about before we get into the show. Last night was the first Broadway performance of the Mark Rylance-led Farinelli and the King. The show is a transfer from London. It is currently playing at the Belasco Theater on Broadway. It is scheduled for a strictly limited engagement of 16 weeks through March 25th. March 25th. We've talked about how that's such a weird timeline from mid-December or from uh, early December through late March. Um, so I don't know if there's some sort of movie commitments that Rylance has or if they will actually extend. Opening night is set just for 11 days from now on the 17th since it is a transfer. Uh, but I'll be really interested to hear about that one. That's one I'll be coming in um, to New York the last week that it's running on Broadway. So if the reviews are good and everyone likes it, I might be trying to grab a ticket uh, for that one. And then something that you don't actually have to get a ticket for Yesterday, uh, our friends over at Broadwasted released part one of a Broadwasted Carol Channing, uh, their own comical, star-studded uh, version of a Christmas Carol. Um, I haven't had a chance to listen to it yet. You guys know how much I loved um, Broadwasted Away, but I haven't had a chance to listen to it yet. But it was released yesterday, so I'm sure it's wonderful. It has a lot of the same stars that were involved in Broadwasted Away: Michael Cerveris, James Monroe Iglehart, Leslie Margarita, Cesar Samoa, Jenna Ushkowitz, Hannah Ellis, uh, J. Armstrong Johnson, Telly Leon, Kara Lindsay, Adam Kaplan, Haley Pod. Shun, uh, Sarah Jenkins, Aaron J. Albano, Andrew Bradis, our friend Robbie Rizal, uh, Mo Brady, and Nika Graf Lanzaroni, Alana Levine, Patrick Hines, and Jillian Pensavale. A lot of our friends in there. So uh, definitely check that one out. Download Broad Wasted uh, in your podcast feed and check out what they have going on with their Carol Channing radio play. Mm. You know, every year it, it rolls around and I, I think about something to do when it's way too late. I always want to do that Aretha Franklin thing. Oh, I don't know what that is. What is it? Yeah, Aretha Franklin. You want to have a wreath with Aretha Franklin oh. in it type of thing. <laughs> Never heard of that, but that's funny. So uh, I did all these hand gestures and realized you, you can't see me. Yes. We record via <laughs> Skype, but it's voice only Skype. Yeah. Um, but but back to the Immaculate Conception thing. If I said, <laughs> If I said to you alternate side of the street parking does that mean anything to anybody outside of new york city um alternate side of the street parking yeah um i mean I, I lived in chicago and they would sweep certain streets on yeah. certain sides of the street certain mm -hmm. days and i'd have to go to the other side but other than that i would have no idea uh, it's more or less the same thing here in new york but uh the great thing is is that during all the holidays alternate side of the street parking is canceled and you don't have to move your car and figure all that nightmare of you know jockeying your car around depending upon 
what time of day your alternate side of the street parking is. But on major holidays or in religious holidays, they cancel alternate side of the street parking. So it's it's when everybody in New York respects everybody's religion because it helps you get parking. And yeah, parking is really the the it's, true savior in New York. <laughs> I was going to go with a currency, but savior really <laughs> topped me there, James. Thank you. Right uh, to our Lord savior right. parking spaces. So we talked about it yesterday, but um, oh, wow. Lord. Exactly. Casting agencies fire back at the Broadway League. Yeah, as you said, we... I don't we didn't break the news, but it broke while we were recording uh, yesterday morning. So we talked about it really haphazardly. We had no idea what the hell was going on because we were just reading it. We were still drunk from the night before. I'm a teetotaler, but you are. That's fine. (laughs) Totally whatever. Uh, But anyway, we talked about the fact that the Broadway League filed suit against most, if not all, of the casting offices that work on Broadway, as well as some other organizations, including Teamsters Local 817, which is the union that is um, working with the casting agencies uh, for them to form their own union. Well, of course, those casting agencies and unions weren't going to go quietly just because they were handled a legal brief by the Broadway League. Later on on Tuesday, Thomas O'Donnell, the president of Local 817, released a statement saying in part, quote, we've asked for voluntary union recognition of casting directors, but the Broadway League said no. When casting directors ask for health and pension benefits, the league threatens and sues them. To be clear, the casting directors are not attempting to, quote, fix prices, which is one of the allegations in the lawsuit that the league filed, neither in wages nor benefit contributions. They simply want the same workplace fairness and health care afforded to everyone else who works on Broadway. Broadway made over a billion dollars last year. Rather than engage in a dialogue with 40 working men and women who have been instrumental to their success, the league spouts fake facts, bullies, and files lawsuits. Sound familiar? I know what he's getting at, and I appreciate trying to tie this back to Trump somehow, but the difference is Trump never actually files the lawsuits. Mm. He just says he's going to sue people, although that's not true. He's been in court a lot, but it's mostly for trade right uh, for a trademark infringement. But anyway, um, James, this is all super complicated and way over my minuscule brain when it comes to business. And this might just be business as usual. But this seems like this has gotten unnecessarily contentious. You know, in in a community that has union issues before, we've talked to, you know, we, we know there's been strikes before. Danielle has talked about different strikes in theater throwback. But this just seems like it went from this was like a, a spinal tap thing. Like they turned it up to 11 really, yes. really quickly. They went to 11. Uh, it, first of all, I am unsure maybe you know and we should have talked about this before we started ha- has equity or any or local one or any of the other major afm unions have they said anything as In- far as i know they have not said anything as of now i actually checked with uh, to see if equity had said anything earlier in the day they have not however unions tend to stick together so yeah. while they don't want to piss off the broadway league which is obviously you know, one of their biggest employers, I I would imagine that with push comes to shove and if the casting directors go on some sort of strike, that the unions, whether it be actors or musicians or stagehands, will follow suit. I mean, I hope it doesn't come to that. Well, I, I'm very surprised that we haven't heard a um, 
a statement of support from uh, Equity and AFM and Local One and IATSE and wh- whoever else is involved from a union perspective on Broadway. Uh, and perhaps this is – of course, they'll release it immediately as soon as we release this podcast. <laughs> so um, uh, I think that that'll – I think that's going to take the temperature of of what's going to happen here uh, with with these lawsuits, and the other aspect of it is is that, as somebody pointed out to me when I was chatting with um, somebody in the community today uh, we're we 're talking about a very small number of people. The mm-hmm. amount of money we 're going to spend on lawsuits with lawyers can probably pay for health care for all these forty people for five, ten years or something like that that's that 's very true, but I think there 's a reason why the league is putting a foot down on this because there are yes the the casting directors are contracted uh, workers, they're they're independent contractors. They don't technically work for the producers of the productions, but they're also not the only ones, James. That the way that casting agencies work, and I know you know this. I'm not telling you anything you don't know, but the way they work is very similar to how the marketing agencies work and how the advertising agencies work. I feel like the league might be saying no to this because they feel like if they give into the casting directors, they might then be hit by other independent contractors who work with Broadway. As well, even though they, like the casting agencies, are not actually official employees of productions. Does that make sense or am I reaching too far? I see what you're saying and I somewhat agree with you about that. But I think that the casting director's offices are certainly not um, not doing what the digital agencies – uh, you know, well, any agency, whether it's digital or not, all the agencies out there – um, have many other verticals outside of Broadway, uh, so they might, you know, have, you know, you know, one of the agencies has NFL teams, and another agency right. uh, does television and film as well as Broadway and things like. Whereas the casting director is really dedicated just to Broadway. Um, uh. So uh, I, I don't know. Uh, and I also think there's a lot more cash in the agencies than there is with the casting directors. So. I, I know what you're saying, and that's uh, possibly a, a, a an area uh, that the league does not want yeah. to open themselves up to. I could see that. Yeah. Well, I'm sure we'll hear more about this, especially the <laughs> um, the, yeah. the the <laughs> the announcement of support by all the uh, by all the unions as soon as we post this. <laughs> so, uh, all right, on the good news front. Gypsy of the Year raises a record-breaking total. Yeah, yesterday at the Gypsy, the second day of the Gypsy of the Year annual ceremony, Broadway Cares Equity Fights AIDS announced that the six weeks of fundraising by Broadway, Off-Broadway, and national touring companies had raised a record-breaking $5,609,211 for BCEFA. That total was announced by the cast of Meteor Shower, Laura Benanti, Keegan-Michael Key, Amy Schumer, and Jeremy Shamos. And they also announced the awards for Best Performance at the Gypsy of the Year ceremonies, as well as the top fundraisers. Come From Away was awarded the Best Onstage Presentation. According to the release we got, apparently they did a skit about the show's efforts to create choreography for actors that are not necessarily known for their dancing abilities. Um, Apparently at the end of the skit, there was a bit of a surprise, which I don't want to ruin because I think, James, we normally get videos of these things after the fact. Um, But Aladdin was the runner-up there. 
And in terms of fundraising, the top Broadway musical fundraiser was Dear Evan Hansen at $555,196. It was followed by Hello, Dolly, Hamilton, and Come From Away. The top play fundraiser was the play that goes wrong. It is also the longest-running play on Broadway, by the way. Uh, the top fun, yeah, I've heard that once or twice before. The top off-Broadway fundraiser, as it almost always is, was Avenue Q. In terms of national tours, the top fundraiser was Hamilton, then followed by Aladdin, Something Rotten, and Wicked. So congratulations to everybody involved in the community who um, was involved with this, whether they were um, cast members talking about it, they were volunteers holding the buckets, or people just dropping cash and change into the buckets on their way out of the theater. But uh, thank you for all of that. Congratulations to that, and another great thing that the community is doing for those less fortunate. So Avenue Q, the off-Broadway show, uh, raised more money than uh, Home for the Holidays is grossing. Ouch. Hmm. Ouch. All right. <laughs> Show and casting news. All right. First up here, yesterday, the MCC Theater announced that Tony winner Jane Howdy Shell would star in the world premiere of Jay Lee's new play, Relevance. Directed by Tony nominee Liesl Tommy, the show will begin performances on February 1st with an opening night on February 20th. According to press notes in Relevance, Teresa Hannock is a celebrated author and veteran feminist warrior. Oh, boy, bless me here. Uh, Miss Amaji uh, Ukweli is a oh promising God. young writer. I'm trying. <laughs> Miss Amaji Ukweli. No, no, no. Mesamali Ukweli is a promising young writer who is becoming, quickly becoming the leading cultural critic on race, class, and gender for a new generation. When a heated exchange between the two women go, goes viral, Teresa finds herself ill-equipped to manage her message in the era of 140-character tweets, especially against a rival whose time may have come. James, I feel like this show is already outdated since uh it's now up to 280 characters but i'm sure they'll deal with that appropriately further casting will be announced at a later date in other news this friday the king of margaritaville the chief parrot head himself jimmy buffett will be at the marquee theater to officially open the box office for escape to margaritaville the box office will open officially at 10 a.m and five dollars from every purchase made at the box office on that day will be donated to one america appeal that nonprofit organization that was founded by the five living former u.s presidents to aid hurricane victims in the u.s and the caribbean to date through other initiatives in their Things being done at the National Tour and stuff. Escape to Margaritaville has raised more than $110,000 for hurricane relief. Jimmy Buffett is obviously um, a Gulf Coast native and, and is very fond of the Caribbean. So he, that's a very important thing to him. Uh, James, it's not Tina Fey and cheese fries, uh, but I speak from experience. Jimmy Buffett can put on one heck of a show. So if anybody is in the theater district on Friday morning, you might want to head over to the marquee. I'm sure it'll be a lot of fun. In uh, non-lawsuit news, yesterday the Broadway League announced that tickets are now on sale for Kids Night on Broadway, which will be on Tuesday, February 27th of 2018. Kids Night on Broadway is an annual event where kids 18 and under can attend participating Broadway shows for free when accompanied by a full-paying adult. Participating shows include Aladdin, Anastasia, The Band's Visit, Beautiful, A Bronx Tale, Come From Away, Chicago, Farinelli and the King, Kinky Boots, The Lion King, Once on This Island, The Phantom of the Opera, School of Rock, SpongeBob Square. 
Pants and Wicked, but those, of course, are all subject to change. James, apparently Kids Night on Broadway will also take place in multiple cities around the country with different shows and venues putting their own spin on the event. And it will be happening on different dates around the country. My only question is whether or not, if they're not in New York City, does it only apply to cities that have a street named Broadway? Because it can't be Kids Night on Broadway if there's no Broadway, right? Uh, sure. You know, you should check out your local Chamber of Commerce there in Orlando and see what they say. I'm unfamiliar with a Broadway in Orlando, but... <laughs> I bet you there is one. We just don't know it. Uh, Fair. <laughs> All right. So but, let's uh, wrap... The... I wanted to ask you, you know, yes. the, the league here, Kids Night on Broadway, don't you think that they'll be sued by people who don't have kids? Are we going to get into this again? No, that's okay. <laughs> oh, Lord. We're talking about these ADA lawsuits that James and I were talking about offline. We've talked about it before with the suing of Hamilton and all this stuff. And now websites are getting sued for not being um, compliant with ADA for people who are blind to be able to use the website. I, I'm all, whatever. You know, we're all for the ADA and doing it, but it just feels like people are using this for their own personal purposes. Yeah, the fun part about that 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 lawsuit is is that in the statute uh people can collect up to $500 for the infringement of the lawsuit. <laughs> but, but, the, but but the lawyers <laughs> you want to <laughs> the lawyers can collect $16,000 <laughs> for their fees. Shocking. <laughs> That's what happens when laws get written by lobbyists and lawyers instead of people who actually give a damn about the people they're trying to serve. But whatever. That's not – stop. James, why did you let me do this? Let me talk about something I'm much more passionate about than this, and that is that yesterday Mashable reported that Marvel will be unveiling a new chapter in the storied history of X-Man Wolverine. And while Tony winner Hugh Jackman will not be reprising the role, a a handful of other Broadway names will be involved. This new chapter called Wolverine The Long Night will be a 10-part podcast that will debut in the spring, but exclusively on Stitcher's premium service, damn you, before rolling out to other podcast platforms in the fall. The show will star Hobbit star Richard Armitage and stage veteran himself as Logan, a.k.a. Wolverine, as well as one Celia Keenan-Bolger as an agent investigating a series of murders in Alaska. Celia's character, along with her partner, team up with a local deputy up in Alaska who will be voiced by none other than... Andrew Keenan Bolger. Uh, the cast will also include the greats uh, Brian Stokes Mitchell and Bob Balaban and more. James, I'm a little annoyed that this thing is a pay first podcast from Stitcher, um, but I might have to just suck it up and get it because uh, these are things that I love very much serialized podcast, comic book adaptations, and of course, Celia and Stokes. Although I got to say, James, this isn't in the script, but Celia and Stokes sounds like a great idea for a serialized buddy cop podcast. So maybe we should do that next. Maybe we should pitch that next. Celia and Stokes. I Book them, Celia. Yeah. I got it, Stokes. Okay. There you go. The next Rizzolian Isles. All right. Sam Shepard's final work provides insights into his final months. Yeah, James. Uh, yesterday, the New York Times had a look at a new novel that actually was released yesterday by the late Sam Shepard. Um, it's actually a book that is very 
it's not autobiographical in terms of it's a memoir, but it's a a novel called Spy of the First Person, and it follows um, a a person who has a degenerative disease that leaves him immobile and disconnected from his own body. As we know, Sam Shepard died earlier this year from uh, the complications going on with ALS. The the article here kind of gives you a nice look at it. There's two different narrators explaining things and, and it really delves really in depth as to what Shepard was going through as he was dying. Very few people knew that he was even sick. So he went through this book and started writing it first in notebooks like he normally wrote, but then he wasn't able to hold a pencil or a pen and he eventually started dictating it. His long time, friend and collaborator patty smith actually helped him edit and arrange the manuscript um so this book came out yesterday this is one that i didn't know was on its way out james but this is one i'm going to probably have to pick up spy of the first person the last work by sam shepherd um uh, you know i think this is something that a lot of theater fans are going to want to get even if it's not actually specifically theater related wow uh, I did see that article in, in the Times. It, if you were a fan of Sam's work, uh, definitely read this. All right. Why don't you get us out of here? All right. Thanks for listening to Today on Broadway. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Broadway Radio. You can find me on Twitter at BWWMatt and subscribe to Something Mega Pop on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play. And my name is James Marino from BroadwayRadio.com and BroadwayStars.com. Thanks for uh, spending some of your Wednesday with us. Uh, Matt's going to take you into Thursday, and then I will be back on Friday. We'll see you then. 